Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. We're discussing meaningful business and life topics to add motivation to your life and value to your efforts. Our show is hosted by certified professional CSG coaches who are often hired for private coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, enjoy the show. This is Solutions from the Huddle, and I am your host, Titus Bartolotta. Man, I am always grateful that you join us here on the show, um, but I might be most grateful today because the weather in North Carolina is awesome, uh, family stuff is great, and our guest today is really brilliant. Um, I'm really impressed by her bio, and you guys are going to be impressed, I'm sure, by all of the wonderful tips and tricks that she's going to present and bring to us today. Um, if you've never tuned into our show before, we are a personal development, professional growth show. We're all about bringing successful people and having them share how in the world they got so darn successful. And, and along the way, maybe they got uh, a couple bumps and bruises and scrapes and, and, and through some missed opportunities they've learned. And maybe we can learn from that as well. Uh, before we get into our guest, we, we like to start the same way every time. And so we'll do that here. Uh, and that's in prayer. So, Lord, we ask that you bless the show, um, that you bless our sponsors, our partners, our guests, just everything involved. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. All right, friends, we have Sabrina Oso on the program today. She's the founder and CEO of Oso Safe. What a cute name. Uh, feel safe where you live, work, and play. How's that sound? Uh, she's a TEDx, a TEDx speaker, a real estate agent, and a consultant on promoting safety and preventing violence in important places like workplace, school, and places of residence. Uh, Sabrina is absolutely a rock star. We're so grateful to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Titus. I really appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Sabrina, we every time we bring someone on the show, our audience knows this is already a smart person, an entrepreneur, a leader, a person who knows how to advance in life. And what we've come to know in the show is that one's journey has a lot to do with it. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and, and where you came from and what has gotten you to where you are today. Sure, sure. Uh, again, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Uh, I have had enough therapy uh, to be open to say that um, uh, my I am a victim or a survivor of violence. My father beat my mother on a regular basis. Um, it was pretty traumatic growing up in, in that house. Um, and uh, it, it was very... Um, it was verbal, physical abuse, mental, emotional, uh, a roller coaster, a lot of chaos, a, a lot of, um, yeah. So, um, and, you know, I, I did my thing. I, I, I did what I was supposed to do, quote unquote. I got my degree, um, but my heart is in, it, it, it was and still is in dance. Um, mm. And, and I, I've had a lot of therapy. Uh, I've been in and out of therapy for quite some time. And my therapist said, Sabrina, you need to be a dancer. You are a dancer. You, I mean, I couldn't even think about dancing growing up. I couldn't even mention it. Uh, mm. So I, I put it on the back burner, way back burner. Until I, I graduated and I, um, I did the whole corporate thing, but I was left so unsatisfied. And 
So I totally submerged myself in the dance world. I lived close proximity to New York City. So I was grateful that I was shuffling from one dance studio to the next, one audition to the next. It was very exciting. Uh, I was uh, getting gigs. I was um, I was taking 12 dance classes a week between Broadway Dance Center, Steps, and Alvin Ailey. And I, I had a lot of catching up to do, uh, um, to say the least, because I didn't start when I was five years old. I started much later. But uh, but I, I made the best of it. I and I I was auditioning like crazy. I was uh, taking classes, singing lessons and, and the whole bit. And um, and then I started writing my one woman show and uh, it, it just came out of me. I, I just started writing characters and I portray different women being abused. But she goes to her good place. That's where the dancing comes in but she's pulled back into the terror of violence, of abuse. And, um, but, but the show ends very strong, very empowering. And I did a lot of research for that show because I wanted it to be educational and entertaining. And I said to myself, I couldn't believe the statistics that I was finding. I said, this is more common than I ever thought. I, I mean, the statistics prove it. So I said to myself, I need to make this into a business. I'm not a charity. I'm not a nonprofit. Uh, we respect all of the charities and nonprofit that deal with domestic violence. But I feel like to a certain degree, they keep the problem in place just by being that a charity. Um, so because things get resolved when it's treated as a paid service, if you will. Oh. So that's how I modeled my business. Um, oh. And uh, the title of the show is Home Sweet Home, question mark. Um, and I have the trailer out there uh, on the Internet, and I'm hoping to redo it one day, you know, because I, I did perform it with my students I performed it myself. I choreographed it. I wrote it. Um, so Also oh Safe was born out of that one woman show, really. Um, and I hope I answered the question. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. How, how do you navigate going through such really just very intimate, personal, challenging, complex dynamics, um, your real life experience and and never giving up along the way we we've had um people that have overcome poverty we've had pe people that have you know been you know uh into sports and they go on to be nfl champions and um and we've had people that have dealt with similar things that you've expressed but i'm always in awe of what it takes mentally and emotionally for a person to bounce back to stay the course to to get on the other side of it it's not easy uh, we all champion the story, but but how did you find the will to do that in the midst of really challenging times? It's a work in progress every single day uh, by far. Um, I've had a lot of life experience, a lot, and I know what doesn't work. And I I could say, look, I tried that. I'm not going to do that again. I, I tried that. I'm not going to do that again. Um, there are so many people in trouble. So many, so many people that are victims. 
And what what gets me is children, really, because I was a child of violence, even though um, even though my father beat me once, he hit me once. But I called I, I actually put him in jail for it. Uh, my mother never did, even though I witnessed him beat up my mother on a regular basis, but she never brought him up on charges. And as a child, I, I see how much this affects children. And that's what gets me. And that's what I think pushes me forward, that I'm doing it. They're, they are the ones really my true clients in a way, because uh, abused kids, all kids, but especially abused ones, because no one is speaking for them, really. Uh, you have marches for African-Americans, Asian-Americans, uh, uh, homosexuals, um, women, pets. We covered a lot, but for kids, abused kids, and I have to say the system that's supposed to protect them from the child protection, protective service agencies to the lawyers, to the parent coordinators and the mediators, and ultimately these judges, I have to say, they make horrible matters even worse. Mm. And um, so I designed my company to, to with products and services to say, look, if I had this growing up, my reality as a child would have been much different on a positive note, on, on multiple positive levels. Um, so I hope I answered your question. It's, it's mostly um, remembering what I went through and seeing kids suffer. That, that's what keeps me going. Um, uh, because nobody should live with violence as far as I'm concerned. No one, no one. Life is hard as it is. There's no need to complicate it with abuse, violence, chaos, dysfunction. Um, nobody should live with that in any capacity, adult or child, but especially children. So, um, and we will see to it that this becomes that safety becomes a required standard condition of residency, period. Mm. How do you, I, I notice on your website, um, which is O-S-S-O-S-A-F-E-O-S-O-S-A-F-E-O-S-O-S-A-F-E-O-S-O-S-A-F-E-O-S-O-S-A-F-E-O-S-O-S-A-F-E-O-S-O-S-A-F-E-
the biggest difference between abuse and discipline is that abuse instills fear and uh, discipline instills education. So that is the one of the biggest differences between the two. You have to discipline your child. If your child is screaming and yelling, throwing things, they punch somebody at school, you have to discipline them. You cannot say, oh, well, you know, you just had a bad day. You have to discipline them. But we feel at Oso Safe, there is no excuse for hitting, slapping, punching, kicking. There's no excuse for that. You can discipline just by the tone of your voice and the look in your face that your child is taking you seriously. But that child at the end of the day knows, wow, mommy and daddy or mommy or daddy, whatever the home situation is, uh, I, I, I upset them. I did wrong. And that's why they yelled at me. That's why they, they punished me. I, I did something wrong, but I know that they love me. I know that they're correcting me and I'm not afraid of them. So abuse crosses that line completely where, um, I mean, if you're hitting your child and beating them, right there, that instills tremendous fear in the child. So if anything, the child is going to continue to make mistakes and they're going to be fearful and it will change their concept of uh, going from, I did something wrong, and, but I have to correct it. It goes from that to, I'm a bad person. I'm no good. Um, I'm never going to get it right. So it's kind of counterproductive. Um, yes, parents make mistakes. We understand that at Oso Safe. Of course, you're going to make mistakes. Maybe, maybe you, maybe the, the punishment has to fit the, 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 um, I don't want to say the, the right, right. It has to fit. So if you're, if your child came home with a bad grade, and the punishment for that child is beating them, uh, punishing them where they don't go out for the rest of the year, making them clean the whole house. That is abuse. You're, it's not matching. But if they come home with a bad grade and you're saying, look, for the next month or until I see the grades improve, you're not going to, you're not going to use your tablet. There's not going to be any video games. You're, uh, we need to work this out. You are going to have a tutor. Um, we're going to talk about this every single day or every couple of days. You need to communicate, even if it's just writing it down. You have to get creative beyond do better, just saying do better or um, this is not right. Kids need to have structure. They need to be explained what happened and what, what they did has consequences. Um, so like, for example, with COVID, all of us have been stuck at home. And I know things are coming back. Things are reopening. However, our homes have become the workplace and the school. So we understand that things like personalities can collide. Um, uh, and, and like you said, you lose your patience. However, 
we need to have certain systems in place. For example, when you come home or when, let's say in, in the day, maybe set aside time, 10, 15, 20 minutes for everybody in the household to say, look, this is your time to be alone. Uh, this is the designated area in the house and the apartment. This is your time. We're going to leave you alone. If you have to punch a pillow, punch a pillow. If do if you have to write your feelings on post-its and communicate it to everybody, do that. If you have to uh, punch a punching bag, punch a punching bag. It's certainly better than punching each other, hitting each other. Uh, there is no excuse for any violent words, any any verbal disparagement, for example, calling anyone in your household a bitch, a slut, a whore, a tramp, a sleaze, a floozy, a bimbo, a thot, a skank, and all the other lovely titles that are given to women and girls. Um, there's no put downs. Um, this is a practice, Titus. It, it's a practice. So, and we want to say all families have conflict. All families get into arguments and there's discord. All of them do. However, it never, ever crosses the line of abuse, not verbal, not physical, not sexual. And in the physical is comprised uh, emotional, mental, spiritual, because that's all part of your being, right? Physi your physical being, your brain, your mind, your, your spirituality. So, so it should never cross that line. And actually, we are introducing products in the real estate market. Um, and I could explain this further in, in the interview yeah. uh, uh, about what constitutes a safe home. Well, and, what does and that yet, mean? Sabrina, I want to jump in here. I, sure. I, I love what you're saying. I, I noticed that one of the things that you offer the world is, is training and, and also a certification and also safe certified home, right? So this is where, um, and I want you to fill in the gaps here, but it, it looks like where landlords can say, hey, listen, there is a massive bottom line impact to having violence happen on properties that I'm responsible for. So if you're a property owner, if you're a landowner, and if your business is to lease and rent out space, you are liable. There are responsibilities that you have for what takes place on your property. So for the folks out there that might be hearing what we're talking about and they think, well, this is very emotional. Um, this is soft skills conversation. And, and maybe they're more rigid ones and zeros, black and white, PL kind of people. <clears throat> I think part of what it looks like that you provide some education and, and some insight on is how can we mitigate uh, your liability as a property owner, as somebody who is overseeing where we're humans, where families are engaging with one another, not just because it matters to the human capital, but because it matters to what, what transpires on land that you're responsible for and how it shouldn't be acceptable. And there's all kinds of negative ramifications for uh, violence and abuse of any kind that happens in this world, let alone that happens in the space that you as a landowner might be responsible for financially and otherwise. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Yes. And I'm glad you brought it up because, um, it, it is what we are introducing into the market, into the real estate industry. 
And right now, we want this to propagate over all property, whether you rent, whether you own, whether you have a mortgage or not. But the path of least resistance right now is the landlord-tenant portion of the industry. And what we are saying to the landlord-tenant portion of the industry, we're saying right now, the way things are, you have, let's say, 10 units. And in one of those units, there is an abusive family an abuser. And what happens right now is that all of your good paying safe tenants, they hear the screaming and the yelling and the police going to that, to that unit. It's affecting their residency. So what happens? All of your good paying, well-behaved, safe tenants leave. And then you as a landlord, you're stuck with the abusive family. We're looking to flip all of that. We're saying, look, Mr. and Miss Landlord, hire us, oh so safe. We will get your property oh so safe certified. What does that mean? You purchase the oh so safe home sweet home package. This package consists of a policy, a seminar, an app, and therapists assigned to the building. The policy basically states, I as a landlord, I promise to provide you a safe space for you to live. You in turn is my tenant. You promise to not act in any way, shape or form abusively. Otherwise you, the abuser only gets immediately evicted from the premises. And we go into full knowledge, knowing that that would be the consequences. The rest of the family unit can still remain provided that they could still pay the rent or the mortgage. So that way, this mitigates liability and it maintains property reputation. Your vacancy rates will drop and your tenants will feel safe. Then there is a seminar. We go in and educate everybody, new and existing tenants, whether they're going through violence or not. It doesn't matter. We go over facts, statistics, warning signs, definitions of abuse, the difference between abuse and discipline, just to name a few items. So that way, an abuser or a would-be abuser can't say, oh, I didn't know that if I pull the hair of my wife or my husband or my girlfriend or boyfriend, that constitutes abuse. Now you know because you were educated. Then there is an app that I hired a software company that they went according to my specifications and this app detects violent like movements and captures them in real time, issuing alerts to the landlord. So that way, let's say the landlord has 10 units, he or she gets the alert, wow, in my unit two and in my unit 10, I just saw you beat the crap out of him. I just saw you beat the crap out of your kids. This is grounds for eviction. You know that this is how we do things in a no so safe certified building. You have to go. So that way it eliminates the he said, she said factor. Then the last component of the home sweet home package are therapists assigned to the building. So this is now a part of residency where you have to check in with your therapist once a month. It's a part of your rent. And you check in with your therapist. Is everything okay? Do you feel like something is looming? Um, this is all preventative versus waiting for an episode of violence to occur and then police come. And then there's, there's um, everybody in the building feels uneasy. Like, oh, did you hear what happened in 2A? Oh, I didn't know that, that this was happening. Wow, um, this is so bad. This is all preventative. 
So this makes for better residency. And we are also speaking to people, professionals in the insurance realm, where we're saying have an also safe rider in your insurance prop policy. So that way, a landlord's this is like an incentive for landlords to get their properties also safe certified to say yeah i want i want to hire you i want my building also safe certified because my insurance rates will go down and my property values will go up because honestly titus they should be rewarded financially because they are actually taking steps beyond making sure that the heat, hot water, electricity, and central air is working, they're actually taking steps to keep their tenants safe among each other in each mm. unit. So we are, we're working on all components. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yes, people, I'm a landlord as well. We're concerned about our profit and loss at the end of the day. And that's fine because when you have, as I say, I just wrote an article for um, Human Capital uh, Leadership Magazine, and the title of it is Home Sweet Home for All. Um, and one of the lines there, I think I concluded the article saying, uh, safer residency makes for better residency, and therefore it's better for business. Um, so, so I hope I answered the question regarding yeah. this whole issue. Yeah, we're talking with Sabrina Oso right here on Solutions from the Huddle, powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. And I, I think I couldn't agree more with, with so much of what you're saying and and why it ought to be front of front of mind for so many folks that are in, in that sector of business, uh, providing more than just uh, a roof that doesn't leak, right? But a, um, a home that doesn't cave in, uh, in, in, in all kinds of ways. And, and you're right. You know, when you, when you see that the police have to show up, it changes property values. It changes the anxiety level and stress level of all kinds of things. And, and the truth is, I, I don't think our uh, men and women that serve, you know, our cities and communities at the level of police officers, really their highest and best use isn't having to take a, a car out and, and look into domestic violence cases. There's gotta be a lot of other ways than, than sending, you know, well-armed uh, officials to homes. You know, there's so much that can be done prior to that. And there's other things we probably want them doing, uh, but obviously when there is domestic violence, they, they have to be called, that's the right thing. But my gosh, why not be proactive instead of so reactive? We wanna just real quick, say thank you to just some of our, our program partners. And we do this in every show. We, we couldn't bring great guest on and, and do a great show without some, some wonderful companies and organizations. Um, and so for all of our listeners out there, take a pause, take a moment and, and take a look at team-csg.com. Make sure you take a look at all of our wonderful partners. We have so many great companies that stand with us every day, every week, every month. Some of those look like MS Digital Solutions, Speedy Oil Change, Easy Living Technologies, Carolina Auto Warehouse, and, and a whole lot more. So just go to team-csg.com, click on their logos, learn about their companies, and do business with them because we think they're doing business the right way. Uh, Sabrina, I love what you're doing. Tell folks how they can connect with you. So for our listeners out there that say, we want to do business with or learn more from or just connect with Sabrina because we believe in what they're doing at, at Oh So Safe. How can they do that? What's the best way for them to do that? 
Yes, uh, my website is ososafe.com. That's O-S-S-O -S -S -O, and then the word S-A-F-E.com. Uh, I, I am on all of the uh, major social media platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Alignable, Instagram. Uh, my direct email is sabrina at ososafe.com. Anyone interested for more information or booking us for speaking engagements, seminars, workshops, um, getting their properties Safe certified, uh, right on the website, there's a book now, uh, and then just like a contact page that they could just fill in really simple. And uh, that would be the best way to reach me right now. I love it. So from the Oso Safe app to the home and resident certification, lots of great things happening in your organization. I, I love that you were um, a speaker at a TEDx uh, conference. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Not everyone that comes on the show has spoken for TED. Uh, not everyone that listens to the show uh, has 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 met or listened to a person that's done that. Tell us a little bit about that, because that's a unique. Not everyone in the world gets a chance to do that. How was it? How was the process? How did you find yourself on their stage? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm so grateful I, I that I got that. That was uh, uh, I'm so grateful. Um, actually, uh <laughs> The woman that was uh, cutting my hair at the time <laughs> as supercuts, uh, she her name is Natasha, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Natasha Vera. She's so great. She was a student at New Jersey City University, and I had told her about what I do. And then one day she said to me, you know, Sabrina, my university is hosting uh, a TEDx talk. Why don't you apply? And, uh, and I said, oh my gosh, yes, Natasha, uh, please. And the application was actually very simple. And I think the theme was um, uh, thought leadership, past, present, and future, something along those lines. And, uh, and I applied, I, I, I stated what I was going to talk about. And, um, and at first I, be, I was an alternate. And then after a week or so, I got the confirmation via email. Uh, Congratulations, Sabrina, you're going to be one of the eight presenters. Uh, we're so happy that you're going to be presenting your TEDx talk. Uh, and then I, I rehearsed. I rehearsed, I rehearsed myself to death. <laughs> I, I really prepared. I um, and I, I, I rehearsed it like with different people and, you know, what are your thoughts? What do I need? How does it sound? And, uh, oh, I'm so grateful to her, Natasha. Um, if you're, uh, and I'm going to tell her about this podcast. Uh, I, um, I'm eternally grateful and that they said yes, you know, and that they, they, um, they really uh, understood what I was trying to do. And they said, you know, we've never had something like this before. Um, like this is really innovative, what you're doing. It's very progressive, very avant-garde. So, and I'm so grateful they gave me the platform to do it. So um, yeah, so that, that's how I got it really. <laughs> I love it. So if you could, uh, we like to kind of conclude shows by giving some some, some great strategies to individuals who are have an entrepreneurial mindset and a spirit. If somebody listening right now is wanting to uh, run into their passions and their dreams and start something, whether it be out of necessity, out of pain, out of joy, whatever the motivator is, um, what happens with most folks we, we've come to know uh, is that fear stalls us out, right? Like it, it, 
it, it stops the motor from getting the gasoline to like go somewhere. But if they were going to get rid of their fear, what would be some of the first steps that you would advise other uh, would be new entrepreneurs to go after their passion? How would they start an, an enterprise and a business, especially maybe one where it's already not a market, right? Where you create an industry kind of similarly to what you're doing. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Um, I would say one of the best pieces of advice, uh, do it wrong until you get it right. Mm. Just don't, don't even think about, I got to take this class. I don't have the money. I, I, um, I, 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 I got to get a business plan, but I, I don't know how to talk to people. Do it wrong. Make as many mistakes as you can. Uh, and of course, though, you don't want to go into debt or you want to, you don't want to increase debt. You have to be smart about it, but do it wrong. Make your mistakes until you start seeing, wow, this is working and this is working and this almost works. So I have to change it there. Uh, I would say that would be the best, the best advice. And, and you really have to believe in what you're doing mm. because there's always going to be discouragement. There's always going to be failure. There is always going to be reasons not to do it. So, so really hone in on why am I doing this? And, and am I committed? I, I got to be committed. You, you have to, you have to see it through. You have to see it through. Otherwise, um, otherwise, uh, why bother? Uh, why bother? Sure. Um, really have that purpose, really have that purpose, but don't get hung up on it's got to be perfect. I, I don't want to make any mistakes. In fact, I think uh, another piece of advice, the more mistakes you make, the better. Mm. Um, so I hope I, I answered the question. Uh, keep doing it wrong until you get it right. I love that. You know, um, I think that when we, when we come up short, in our goal of winning, we don't have to say that we lost, right? We get to say that we're learning, we're growing, we're advancing, we're adapting. Um, and nobody says that we don't get to try again. Right. Right. I mean, right. we get to try again. So I love that advice. True. Uh, keep getting it wrong until you get it right. What is, uh, what is one, um, one area where you got it wrong? Um, we've learned from your success. We've learned from the tragedy um, and, and you've given some, some pretty intentional in, instructions of wisdom, in my opinion. Um, but where's somewhere where you got it wrong and you learned through that experience? Because what I've come to know is the smartest, brightest, most talented, uh, persistent people that I've known um, learned a lot through lots of ways, education, mentorship, coaching, um, you know, leaning into their passions, like you suggest maybe overcoming their, the trials of their, their life as you have. Um, but they also picked door number two and it, and, and because it was wrong, they learned and got some insight that said, maybe I'm not going to not do that again, but I'm not going to do it that way again because of some, some missed opportunity. Was there one or two aha moments where you bumped your head and said, okay, because I bumped my head, I'm going to do it differently next time. Yes. Um, one that comes to mind um, right away is 
in the beginning, I well, I went through a couple of uh, several name changes, uh, a good three or four actually before I got to oh so safe and and that's part of doing it wrong until you get yeah. it right. Mm. Um, but I was focusing on I remember one brochure and uh, good thing I didn't mass mass produce it, uh, but I got maybe a hundred done or fifty I don't remember. And it was something along the lines of I was focusing on the negative because what I do is I don't want to say it's negative uh, because now I changed the whole model. It's, it's focusing on the positive, even though we are talking about home violence and abuse and chaos and dysfunction, but you have to put a, a positive spin on things. You have to, otherwise you're not going to draw anyone to you. Um, so even if it's something negative or heavy or just very emotionally charged, you really have to hone in on focus on the positive. So that way, uh, what's the expression? Catching more bees with honey, yeah, you know, the vinegar. Sure. That, right. And and one of the brochures I had was how I was focusing on. I actually had like like a bloody image seeping into the workplace and see you're making your face. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like how violence, I was trying to convey that violence and, and the idea is correct. How violence abuse, it starts in the home, but, it, and it seeps in our schools and workplaces like blood seeping. Mm. And, and I got someone's opinion on that. And he said, Oh, Sabrina, wow. That's really hard to swallow that. It's yeah. very um, off putish, you know? And he's like, look, what you're doing is great. You need to really get it out there and blow this up. Like I, I see the potential, the potential, but if you use this, you're going to turn people off. Mm. So that was a big learning. It was a mistake. And, but it was, I learned from it. I, I got rid of those brochures. I, and I, I, I got to really focusing on, okay, what's the positive? What's empowering? What is ed educational and encouraging? So yeah. I changed the whole focus. So I hope I answered your question. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. I think that's so brilliant. You know, I think that the appearance of a thing matters greatly. Um, if the presentation is not good, if the food looks um, unedible on a plate. Many, many times people will not pick up the fork to taste what, what is likely very delicious food. Um, so I think that's brilliant advice. Listen, friends, uh, if you're wondering how safe your home is, it can be oh so safe, right? And I would encourage folks to get to know our new friend, Sabrina, by making sure that they visit ohsosafe.com. That's O-S-S-O-S-A-F-E.com. Sabrina, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. We, we certainly appreciate it. We hope you'll come back. Yes, absolutely. Anytime. Thank you, Titus. Thank you so much. Hey guys, Titus Bartolotta here with Collaborative Solutions Group. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of Solutions from the Huddle. If you want to hear more episodes and continue supporting our show, simply search for and subscribe to Solutions from the Huddle on any major podcast platform. Thank you again, and we hope you'll join us soon.